0: Very good morning, folks, and um, yeah, I was a bit disappointed about the uh, congregation participation. I'm flogging myself to death over there, and nobody seems to, uh, you know how much I love these things. Welcome. Very good morning to you. Let me pray. May the words of my lips and the thoughts and meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord God, our Creator and Redeemer. Amen. How does one know, how do you know if something is true or not? A friend, uh, as we were talking some years ago, he was, uh, he was uh, working for the media at that time, and he said to me, uh, although he worked in the media, he said, the media mostly tell you what they want you to hear rather than the truth. And I would probably agree with that, uh, what he said. But I asked the obvious question a few minutes into the conversation, how do you know? How do you know it's the truth? How do you know if something is true or not? Is the Bible true? That was the most important question for me, the most important question, the most important issue when I became a Christian, and it still is. Is the Bible, what it says and teaches, particularly about Jesus Christ, is it true? Can I be confident of its truth? Again, some years ago, I was speaking to somebody who enjoys reading history, as I do. And he told me that he'd recently been reading the history of Julius Caesar conquering Britain. And as we discussed this, about five or ten minutes into the, con- into the conversation, I asked him, how did he know that it was all true? And he replied, well, people near the time wrote it down. And that's fair enough. But this person didn't believe the Bible. And yet, at the time that the Bible was written down, at the time the New Testament was written down, uh, people of the time wrote it down. It was the people of the time who actually wrote the New Testament down. In fact, those people wrote down the New Testament within 30 or 40 years of Jesus' life, whereas the history of Julius Caesar was written at least a generation after Caesar's life. And yet, this person believes that, but he won't believe the Bible. Surely, to be consistent and honest, he must apply the same principles to both. Otherwise, it is inconsistent and biased to say, well, I'll believe one author, but not the other. It's applying one set of criteria to one that you'd like to believe, but not the other. It's really believing what you want to believe and often ignoring facts. I've been studying the New Testament for nearly 40 years now. And when you read the New Testament carefully and honestly, it doesn't come across as if you're in the realm of make-believe, as if you're in the realm of Aesop's fables or Harry Potter or Aladdin or whatever. It has what J.B. Phillips, who, who translated the Bible, it has what he called the ring of truth. The writers of the New Testament were careful... And they were honest. Honest enough, for example, to record that one of the leading characters, an apostle, had doubts about Jesus' resurrection, the most important part of the New Testament. He wouldn't believe unless he was shown proof. And there's an honesty in that. There's a realness in that. The authors were honest enough to say, you won't believe the things that Jesus did. But he did. We saw them. And we wrote them down so that you would believe them too. The New Testament has that ring of truth, a credibility, if you like. Well, this morning, let me give you an example of what I mean. From those first few verses which were read, they were read from Luke's Gospel. Uh, we just heard it. And let's look, I want to look briefly at Luke himself, the, the, the person who wrote this down. I want to try to show you how careful he was, how honest he was, and why it's reasonable and why it makes sense to believe him. I just want you to notice a few things about him. Firstly, who is he? Who was Luke? If I'm going to believe somebody, sorry, is that right? Is that better? What was I doing? Was it? Stop that. Right. Stop that. Right, okay. Okay. Sorry about that. So, the New Testament has the ring of truth. It has a credibility. And so I'd like to show you these things from, from Luke, having a look at Luke himself. Who was this man? If I'm going to believe somebody who claims to be writing about things that really happened, which were important, serious issues in life, I need to know that he is reliable. I want to know that he's credible. So what do we know about him? Well, from the New Testament, we know that Luke was a Christian who, after Jesus' death, he travelled extensively with one of the apostles who was called Paul. And in one of Paul's letters, he says of Luke, Many have deserted me, only Luke is with me. Many have deserted me, but Luke hasn't. And so Luke was faithful. He was loyal. You could depend on him in the tough times. When the difficulties came, you could rely on this man. In another letter in Colossians, uh, Paul tells us that Luke was a doctor. He was a physician, and so he was well-educated. Greek language scholars who have studied Luke's writings say that his mastery of Greek and his poetic language in Greek is of the highest technical standard. So Luke was a well-educated, professional man, he was also faithful and loyal. And then notice here in verse 3 how thorough and careful Luke is. Therefore, since I have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. Again, if I'm going to believe somebody on something which is absolutely crucial in life, I want to be confident that they are careful and have investigated it properly, that they haven't put spin on it that they haven't exaggerated things. So that word investigated is very important. It means, although Luke may not have been with Jesus himself, he was with and spoke to and spent time with those who were with Jesus. He was with those people. And he didn't just interview them once. He stayed with them and lived with them. He was constantly speaking to them about the things that happened with Jesus. Jesus' mother, Mary, was one of those people. Luke writes more about Mary and the birth of Jesus and Jesus' early childhood than any other gospel writers. And it's believed that he spent much time with Mary. It's believed that he knew her well and she told him of the early days of Jesus' birth. Also, uh, Luke wrote this gospel about A.D. 65, which means many, many, many people were still alive who would witness Jesus' life and his death and resurrection. Look at verse 2. These things were told us by, by eyewitnesses. He stresses that over and over again in one of the letters of the new testament first corinthians paul says that 500 people saw the risen jesus at one time and then he says most of whom are still alive luke also knew and spent time with the apostles his research was thorough it was also careful Luke also wrote a, a, another book in the New Testament called the Book of Acts. And the Book of Acts is about Paul's travels through the Roman Empire. And Luke names places and towns and cities, even what those cities traded in. He names provinces, who was governor of where, who was pro, proconsul of this, and at which time, all of which have been studied over centuries by different archaeologists and different historians. And every time Luke has proved to be absolutely accurate. And so Luke was reliable, loyal, faithful, he was careful, he wasn't given to spin or deceit, he was intelligent, educated, and a professional man. I heard a fellow on the television say a few years ago, they were talking about the Bible and this guy said, "Uh, the Bible was written by simple, uneducated people who would believe anything, they were just gullible people. They believed things like miracles and angels, people raised back to life. But these things didn't really happen. He said, that's just how they said things at those times. It's how they told their stories. And many people are still like that with the Bible. Mind you, many haven't. most, most people haven't read it for themselves. They just repeat what others have said about the Bible. Luke wasn't simple. He wasn't ignorant and he wasn't gullible. He carefully investigated. Notice also why Luke wrote this gospel. In verse 3 he says he's writing this gospel because although others had written some things about Jesus, he wanted to record some things which they hadn't. But there's also another reason. There was a specific reason. In verse 3 he says he's writing to a man that he calls Most Excellent Theophilus. Theophilus is a Roman name and Most Excellent indicates that he's of high rank. So he's writing to a high up Roman official who's either in politics or the government or the Roman army. And Luke says... I write these things, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. So that you may have certainty about what you were taught. And the word taught is the word in, in, uh, in Roman to, to catechize. That's the word. From where we get our word, catechism. Which means teaching the basics of the Christian faith. So, when Theophilus became a Christian, he was taught as all Christians should be taught, uh, the, uh, and, and Luke is writing to assure him of the things that he had been taught, what he first learned and believed. And what he 's saying is, you can be certain of those things. you can state your life on those things that you were taught and which you believed. Now, try and grasp the situation here because it 's quite common. I remember going through this myself. But this this situation is is common in some ways. Here you have a high-ranking official in the Roman Empire. He's an educated, intelligent man. He hears the gospel at one stage, that there is one God who is creator of all, and we have all turned away from him. But Jesus, the Son of God, came and died for that sin, for us ignoring God. And he rose again to give us eternal life. Now Theophilus comes to believe that gospel, and he becomes a Christian. Before that, he would have been exposed to many other religions in the Roman Empire, just as we are today. But he realized that this gospel was the truth. And then probably, after he'd been a Christian for a while, he realized that being a Christian wasn't as easy as he first thought. For example... Whereas before he became a Christian in the Roman Empire, it didn't matter what he believed and what he did in life. He just lived as he liked. But he saw that now, it does matter what one believes in life, and it does matter how one behaves in life. He came to see those things. What's more, mostly, most of the people around him, in the culture that he lives in, don't believe what he does about Jesus. In fact, some in the Roman Empire... Were anti-Christianity. And so life as a Christian became difficult. The tough questions came. And so he begins to think, is it really true? And is it really worth it? Can what I've come to believe be trusted to be true? Other people say in this society, he would have thought, other people say, there are many, many gods and many ways to come to God. Some would say that God doesn't exist. Are they right? If I'm being asked to stake my life and my eternity on this gospel, is it true? Can I trust it? He was having doubts. And so Theophilus wants to know, can I be sure that this gospel is true? And it's what we want to know, isn't it? That's what we always want to know. I remember thinking exactly that when I'd been a Christian for a while. Is it true? If I'm going to stake my life on Jesus Christ, on this belief, then is it true? I don't want to pretend. I don't want to be gullible. I don't want to believe things that didn't happen. I don't want to believe that Jesus was the Son of God who rose from the dead if it's not true. I don't want to be deceived or deluded or brainwashed. This is too important. All this is too important in life. I don't want to believe something that's not true. So is it true? What Theophilus went through, doubts, is what I went through. Still do at times. And if you're a thinking Christian, if you are a rational thinking Christian, you too will sometimes have doubts. Luke said, Theophilus, I've investigated everything carefully from the beginning, and I am writing, verse 4, so that you may know that the things you have been taught and have believed you can be certain of. Now that's encouraging, isn't it? I find that very encouraging. It's encouraging because in New Zealand society today, it's becoming much harder to be a Christian. We're often seen as sort of people who have thrown their brains away, you know, sort of believe anything, who are gullible people, who'd believe anything. And more and more Christians are being seen as sort of narrow-minded, intolerant and judgmental. and, And there are so many different religions about. There are so many beliefs around. And it can all seem sometimes overpowering. And we want to know, is it true? Luke said... You can be certain of these things. He chooses his words carefully. You can be certain. And it's not only Luke. Paul in one letter in the New Testament says, I am convinced. He doesn't say that lightly. I am convinced. Another apostle who wrote the Gospel of John also wrote three letters in the New Testament and he begins the first letter like this. Listen carefully. He begins like this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard and which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at, which we have touched, the life, he's talking about Jesus there, the life appeared, we have seen it and we testify to it. This we proclaim to you. Now why does John begin his letter like that? Because like all the New Testament writers, John knows it is hard to believe but he says we saw these things we saw them we touched Jesus Christ we lived with Jesus Christ friends please don't write these people off as simpletons who would believe anything they wouldn't believe anything they they found it hard to believe but they had integrity And what they recorded was what they saw and learned and experienced. And they wrote it down with the the verse which which we've just heard, John chapter 20, verse 31. They wrote it down so that you would believe, so that I would believe. They had integrity, they had credibility, and they were faithful. Well, how do these verses speak to you this morning? Maybe you're a Christian, and maybe you're going through times of doubt. I know the feeling, but be encouraged. Or maybe this morning you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, but you've just never thought about these things. Maybe, like I did before I became a Christian, maybe you have just always taken the Bible for granted that it's just stories. It's just stories, they're nice stories, but they're just stories with very little relevance for today. May I encourage you, if that's you, to investigate for yourself. Maybe get hold of a Bible and read a gospel, maybe. Maybe the gospel of John, which the kids have been looking at. And ask questions of it. Who is this person, Jesus? Not what the newspapers say, not what the latest paperback says, what does the new testament say who this person is and why did he come ask those two questions maybe i have investigated everything from the beginning so that you can know with certainty those things that you have believed let us pray heavenly father thank you for your kindness It's just so lovely to see these young children with a simple faith, with a lovely faith. And we pray that you would strengthen us, Father. Pray for any person this morning here who's going through these questions, this searching. I pray your blessing upon them and that you would open their eyes to your truth. And thank you for Luke and those who wrote the New Testament down. Thank you for leading and guiding them by your Spirit that we may believe and thank you for the certainty that you've given us in these things. In our Lord's name we pray. Amen.